Hi everyone, and welcome to Unmuted by the Karma, the show in which we go into how the stuff we love is made, getting into the secret source of all entertainment industries. Big Karma itself makes a video game starring kick-ass action heroes leverage the disability to win. You can find out more about that on patreon.com slash bigkarma. And our guest today, April, is actually involved in the game. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about sports today. She's a Paralympic gold medalist, multiple record holder, and 100 meters dash. And nowadays, a startup entrepreneur and founder. Welcome to the show, April. Great thank to have you, so you much, with Pascal. me again. Yes, thank you for having me. How have you been? Busy um, <laughs> is the first <laughs> word that comes to mind. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think it comes from uh, training early in life. Um, my mother would always say, if you keep kids busy, they'll stay out of trouble. And so now as a big kid, <laughs> um, you know, just trying to stay, just trying to stay busy, but trying to be diligent of the busyness, not just busy just to be busy, but instead, you know, working productive. on purposeful things and being productive and uh, making meaning, meaningful connections. Um, Actually... I, I, I try to ban myself from using the word busy when people mm. ask me how I'm doing and saying mm. productive. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll try that <laughs> next productive. time. <laughs> I'll definitely try to, that. That's a good segue, actually. I wanted to ask you, were you always the fast girl when you were growing up? Um, I believe I was always good. Um, I believe I was always good. Um, at the same time, I, I think I, ha I have an amazing work ethic. Um, so I don't necessarily just rely on good um, and, or just relying on your talent instead of, okay, you were given some talent. And I believe everyone is, is given some talent, but what do you do with the talent that you were given? Um, so I've just tried to, tried to work hard. I've tried to be very extremely focused on things that I've wanted to do. And, you know, just tr trying to use a, um, I I'll say a good chemistry of all the, of a lot of things and not just solely relying on one in order to achieve whatever goal it is that I'm trying to achieve. So as a kid, I'm like, okay, I'm trying to get to college, you know, or I'm trying to, trying to make a team first. And then it was from, from trying to make a team to trying to get to college. And then from college, it was trying to graduate college. And then after that, it was trying to make the Paralympic team because I lost my leg between college and, and, um, about five years after um, I graduated from college and it was, okay, what's the next thing that you're working towards? So always kind of keeping a goal out there and, and not just relying on, uh, on your talent, but uh, trying to figure out what, what pieces that you can kind of grasp in order to get to where you want to get to. And what sets your eyes on Paralympic? Were you always into sports or before the accident? <laughs> Uh, not really. Um, so most of my life I've run track and played basketball. Um, I'd gotten to uh, college and only played, only ran track when I got there. And so I'm like, okay, this is, this is it. This is college. I'm here. Um, able to run track while I'm here. And I had an amazing time doing that. I, I, I can't, I, I, there's, there is nothing I can take back from my college that I, I'm, that I would like to do all over again, other than like just the fun that I had with my teammates and traveling, the winning, um, the winning culture that we had at, at Norfolk State and, and being able to win so often championships and things like that. Like only thing I would want to take back is time so that I can go back and do it all over again. <laughs> 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 but, 
you know, once I graduated from college, I, you know, I, I did what my mother said, you know, it's, you know, it's like, okay, you use educate, use, use athletics as a way to pay for your education. And then once it paid for the education, I'm like, okay, I have this education. Now I have this piece of paper. No one can take it from me. Now I need to go get a job. And, um, just went back to the Philadelphia area and, and started working. And about five years, about four years, I guess, into it, uh, I realized I didn't like what I was doing. And so it's, it's a ma- now a matter of, okay, you don't like what you're doing. How can you pivot and do something else? And I, I, I kept saying, I, I kept saying this prayer every, every day when I walked in, went into my office, I said, Hey, I said, God, I have no idea what lesson you're trying to teach me, but please, can you speak just a little bit louder so I can get <laughs> this message so that I can move on to another, whatever the next phase is for me in my life. Like, God, can you please help me? Um, and so I literally prayed that prayer like every single day. And at some point in time, there was a realization for me of, you know what, April, how about help yourself? Like, you know, you could pray all you want to, but, you know, God's expecting you to do some work, too. So I said, OK, I got it. I can't afford to leave my job right now because I make too much money here. So but what I can afford to do is at least enroll and get my master's degree. So I kept thinking, I'm like, God, if I can have a job in sports or either entertainment where the, I can where I can travel all the time, where I can meet people, I would love that job, God. And so I'm like, okay, go to go back to school and get your master's degree. And so I st- in January, I started my master's degree. January of 2001, I actually started my master's degree at Drexel University. And about two weeks after I started on my master's degree, I got into a train accident and I lost my leg as a result of the train accident. So about probably about two weeks after I lost my leg, that's when I learned about the Paralympics. And this, it really, I'll say really divine way, I'm going to call it, that the surgeon that did my emergency surgery, he actually came into my hospital room one day. And like every day he did, I mean, literally every day, this man showed up with just anything, something, anything. He didn't care. But this particular day, he showed up with with, with um, magazines about the Paralympics. And that was my introduction to Paralympics. I didn't know anything about Paralympics. And once he showed up with these magazines, I kind of took him and I'm flipping through the pages like, okay, well, it's, you know, athletes on these pages, they're running. I have to see who's, who's winning, you know, like who's the champion, like those kind of things. Um, just because I've done that all my life as an athlete, you know, you just, when someone tells you they play basketball, you just look them up and down to see, okay, do you look like you play basketball or even do you look like you can do well? Like, you know, just again, just the athlete in me. That just, confidence. Just that, yeah. That thing of, okay, let me look you up and down. I was like, cause I know I could take you. So, it was, <laughs> it was so I, I literally looked, um, was looking at the pages with that exactly exact thing in mind, you know, and you know, where is. Where is my, what does my competition look like? Um, and then fast forward to once I saw it, you know, I, I said to the doctor when he came back in, I said, listen, I got it. And he said, you got what? I said, my three dreams. I got three dreams right now. I want to be the fastest in the world. I want to represent the United States um, at the next Paralympic Games. And I want to win gold medals. And so he's like, OK. And he's like, I said, so I need a leg. I need to get out of this hospital bed. I need a leg. And he's like, hold on, grasshopper. <laughs> we have a whole lot of things left to do before you can even get to that place. Um, Why you over here trying to be the fastest in the world and hop on podiums already? Um, so it was it was such a process, um, a process that obviously got me to where I wanted to get to. But it also is is responsible for the person that I am today. But 
just reflecting upon all of those things that athletics has taught me in, in the different stages and how to set goals and how to win championships and things like that. So um, all of those have been very instrumental in so many things I've done in my life and continue to do. It's actually um, an interesting parallel in the way I think entrepreneurs come up with ideas. They look at the big goal first. Like you said, all oh, right, I want to win medals. I want to go give me a leg though. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then you break down in steps. Mm -hmm. How am I going to get there? But there is that spark igniting the fire moment where you see a vision mm -hmm. and you don't yet now you're gonna get there, but you see yourself. Sure. That's what you want to do. Um, yeah. What, um, how much time does it, did it take you to get to your goal? Did it, was it fast or was it a matter of years? It's interesting. To compete. Let's not put the goal as winning gold because that's another goal. <laughs> but to first compete and get there. Um, so I literally got my accident in January. I was, the, so toward the end of January, I was home by the middle of February. So about three, four weeks or so. Um, it, it took me to even get home uh, from the hospital. And then I got my first walking leg the end of March. So say another month away. Um, and I was by the end of April, there's a big, big track meet that happens in the Philadelphia area. Um, it's called the pen relays. Um, and so I remember saying to my therapist, I said, listen, I know by the time the pen relays come around, I won't be running. Um, I said, but if I could be doing a, like a really quick jog on a treadmill with my leg, my walking leg by then I'd be great. I'd feel great. So she's like, okay. She's like, that'd be no problem. April. She's like, you know, you're already fit. I mean, you, you're not. You haven't competed in athletics in a number of years, but as a person, you're still physically fit. Um, and she said, so you should, you know, she said, we should be able to teach you how to walk enough at a fast enough gait so that you feel like you're, you're, you're jogging or something. Um, and so by the end of April, by the time pen relays came around, I was actually jogging on a treadmill on a walking leg. Um, and it took several months. I think, I think I got my first running leg, like in December or January of, of 2000, um, 2001, 2002, like that area, that time frame. Um, and then by April, um, of, or April of May of, of 2002, I was actually on a track. I was, I was on a track and I was competing in my very first competition. So, um, I, I guess about 15 months or so, 15, 16 months, um, that it really took me to actually get to a, my very, very first competition. Um, but there was a whole lot of days, obviously a practice in between. There was a lot of times I'd go into the track and, you know, just living in, in, in the, uh, New Jersey area, uh, New Jersey, Philadelphia area. Of course, there's snow on the ground during the winter months. So had there not been snow on the ground, I probably, I would have been able to practice a little, a little, I say a, a little more with a little more intensity, um, in January and February and March. And so, but I was not able to do that because it was snow on the ground, but there was a number of times I'm like, okay, if I can just get a clear lane on a track. Um, so I remember a few times just going out to the track with the shovel or with the, like a broom or something, just trying to clear out some room so I can get some, some repetitions in. And then I had a friend of mine that had access to an indoor track. So whenever I could go over there, I kind of went over there and put my leg on and did whatever I could do there. But I knew once the weather kind of broke a little bit and I was able to get to the track, I knew it was only a matter of time before I'm like, okay, um, I'm coming for these people and they have no idea that I'm even coming. They have no idea that April is going to amputee, like those kind of things. So. Um, just, just trying to, trying to do what I knew I could do. 
um, trying to do what I already knew prior to even becoming an amputee. So it's like, you know, you, when you're trying to do something and you think to yourself, I don't, I don't know how to do that. The question is, what do you know how to do that can kind of get you closer to your goal? Um, and that's what I really relied on. And, and then the, who do you know that can help you? So, you know, I, I didn't know if I needed a, a, a Paralympic specific coach or a coach that knew about Paralympics or amputee specifically. But what I did know was I knew some coaches, you know, some of my uh, youth coaches coming up, I knew they knew track. I knew they knew workouts. I knew they knew, you know, how to get me in shape. And so I literally called on them like, hey, can you, you know, can we, can you get to the track? You know, is there a day or time I can meet you at the track? So you can kind of look at me and see if I'm doing something, if you can help me, if I can do a workout, like those kind of things. And so my track coaches showed up. I mean, they, they did, they showed up and, and I showed up and, you know, I guess the rest is history. <laughs> and was that all in Philadelphia or did you move to Chula Vista Center? No, 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 no. This was all in New Jersey. I was still in New Jersey. In New Jersey. I, okay. I, I was in my home, hometown. I was in my backyard. I was, I was in my, uh, the track that was around the corner from my house. I mean, it just, whatever I can do, you know, in my own backyard, again, you, you, you it's, we talk about, you know, transferable lessons that you can learn. It's, you know, what do you have right now that, that can help you achieve your goal? Like you don't necessarily have to go get that big shiny thing. You don't have to necessarily move away. You don't have to, there's a whole lot of things you don't have to do that you can do right now with what you have. Um, and that's what I did. I mean, at the same time, I mean, no one knew who I was. So of course I couldn't move to an Olympic training center. It's like, who random person are you trying to go in the Olympic training center? <laughs> So I had to prove myself before I can be entered and enter, enter into the gates of greatness. But I like the fact that you focused on what you can control because mm. that's a piece of advice. My mother suffered a lot from anxiety mm. and I almost got the curse, but mm. I was lucky to be able to analyze her and my brother and me. And at some point I realized, I realized the difference between anxiety and stress mm. is that stress, you are worried about something you actually control. Mm. And you wonder if you're going to be good enough for it to make it on time and at the right level of quality. Anxiety, you're worrying about something you don't control. Mm. And so the mental trick is really to go, stop worrying about that thing I can control. What can I do now? Mm -hmm. What can I move forward now? Then not, that's not going to win me the gold medal today, but that's going to get me one step closer and at least I have control over it. So let's sure. worry about that because I can forget about the thing I don't control. Sure. Which there are so many. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, at some point you get to compete and you do really, really well. You get into the, was it the first time that you get into the medal positions? From Wikipedia, it looks like it, but maybe that's a bit <laughs> quick. <laughs> um, you know, the interesting part is that, um, I didn't expect anything any different from myself. Um, from the very moment I stepped on the track and from the very moment I went to my very first competition, um, I didn't I didn't expect anything any different. I expected to win. Um, and and I, I don't I don't know where that come that that part comes from that I, I, I expected to win. Um, but I just have for myself, I just have a winning mentality like. Everything I do, I expect to win, like I, I don't. I don't go into something and say, hey, you know, I, I'm going to lose or I just might lose. Instead, I have exactly the opposite mentality. Like I, I, I expect to win. And sometimes people look at me like I'm crazy. Like, OK, you 
you you have never done this before and you expect to win. Sure, I, I expect to win. Like that's the expectation I have of myself. I and I, I don't I don't apologize for that. I this just the expectation that I have. But when going into that competition, I knew that I had uh I, I knew that I had run been running track nearly most of my life. I mean, I started literally at five years old. So I already knew I knew how to run. Um, and I didn't even have to know the, my competition per se. I didn't have to know them. I've seen, I'd seen pictures of them. Um, I didn't have to see them run. I didn't have to know them. I didn't have to know what their strengths or weaknesses. Instead, I knew what I can do. And so when I stepped on the track, I expected to win. And my very first race was a hundred meter race was at Disney wide world of sports, which is like, I'm like, this is perfect because I absolutely love Mickey mouse. So <laughs> this is perfect. This is a perfect run setup for greatness. Yeah. This is perfect setup for greatness. And so I remember getting on the track and I started, started running and was running down the track. And I literally was winning the race like 90 meters away from the 100 meter finish line. Like I'm, I'm still winning this race at 90 meters. And then the last 10, 5, 10 meters or so, the girl who won the, the gold medal at the Sydney Paralympic Games, she passed me at like the, like in the last 5, 10 meters of the race. So now I knew I was on to something because here, here this girl is, she's the, she's the gold medalist uh, from the Sydney Paralympic Games. And this is, you know, two years removed from the Sydney Paralympic Games. And now I knew I had two years now to train to get to this, this the, um, the Athens Paralympic Games. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm good. I, I, I just lost this very first race, like my very first race, I just lost, but that's okay. I, and, and, and because I darn near won the race, people are like, where did you come from? Where have you been? Like, where, who, who are you? <laughs> so from first race on, people knew who I was because it, I darn near shocked the world, I'll call it. So. Yeah. And, and, and that's a good point, though, that you expected to win. You didn't win. You came second. Mm -hmm. But you came out with the same mentality of, oh, but I expect to win next time. Mm -hmm. And now I find this is very common in winners. It's not that they win all the time mm -hmm. and it's not that they cannot take defeat, mm -hmm. but they have that thing that next time I'm going to get you and mm -hmm. I'm going to do this and this and that different and I'm going to get you. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you can see it in every, um, the late great Kobe Bryant, when you listen to his interviews and you hear that 30 years old, he, he was looking at who was above him in the ranking. He was mm -hmm. number 54 a nationwide of the young kids. And mm -hmm. he looked at who is number 53, 52. And he made sure to get them on sure. the sheer kids to prove the world I'm yep. stronger than him. Mm -hmm. And so it starts with the mindset, definitely the black member mm -hmm. mentality. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you visualize it first yes. and you believe in yourself first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Then you start winning some gold medals is is there a moment of achievement or are you that kind of mindset that you already think about the next one and beating your own record again i think it's a combination of both um you know, even people that win say to themselves what can i do next time because because there will be a next time and the next opportunity to win um as long as you're walking the face of the earth there will always be another opportunity to win so you say to yourself okay this is great let me celebrate this right this very second but also let me be reflective of what did I do very, very well? Because I need that. I need the very, very well in order to propel myself to the next. However, I need to also figure out what did I, what could I have done better? Because 
what I could have done better is what I might need in order to get to the next victory in life. So it was, it's, it's always been a thing of pat yourself Especially on the because back. the competition is watching as well. So the competition might have, might have also noticed what you've done wrong. You know what? I, I, I can absolutely be honest with you. I've, I've not worried about that. I, I can't control <laughs> them. I, I, I don't let Correct. them worry about me, but I can't worry about them. Um, because, because there's interesting happen, thing that happens in track and field. Um, the, my coach and I talk about this all the time. It's, it's the stay in your lane. It's the, it's the reason they put blinders on horses all day long. It's because I need you to stay focused on what it is that you need to be doing. Not, I don't need you focused on like, okay, what, that is going on in someone else's lane because the second you focus on what someone else is doing, then you lose, you lose focus of what you're trying to do, what your skill set is, where you're trying to go. So I never focused or cared necessarily about them. It was like, what did I do and what can I do differently? Um, so what I did was win. So let me stop, pause, congratulate myself, pat myself on the back. Like, Hey, good job. You know, great job. You did a wonderful job. You won like those kind of things. Um, and then it's the dissection of of what what did you do? You know, did you start well? Did you you know, did you did you did you warm up well? First of all, um, what was your mentality as you were warming up? Um, did you get in the blocks? Well, did you start well? Um, did you execute your race strategy um, and did you win? You know, those are easy things. Um, and so if I if I dissect those things like, you know, what, you didn't get out the blocks very well. Or, you know, what, when you woke up this morning, you felt a little sluggish. And so, um, you know, did you eat? Did you get enough rest last night? Like, oh, it's just, I mean, so many different things. You can kind of go down a checklist of, you know, did you do, did you not do um, that all brought you to the finish line? And, you know, even if whether you won or lost, there's still some some things that you could have done differently. And so knowing what those things are um, is helpful to help you propel to the next the next the next win, I'll say. And great tips for entrepreneurs as well, because I got to tell you, when I was young, I was skipping lunch, not sleeping enough because I wanted to work harder and more hours. And now that I'm older you, and wiser, I think you can do that. Now when that you I'm know. older and wiser, yeah, <laughs> I gotta tell you, eat well, exercise. Mm -hmm. and you, you gotta have a balance mm -hmm. because if you push yourself to the limit, you're not achieving the. You're putting in the most amount of hours. Mm -hmm but you're not getting out the best out of these hours you could get. So you, you're actually not treating your machine well and mm -hmm. sleeping before and, you know, trying to get some calm before a big event. All these things I value so much today. So I, I like that you say it because it does matter. It's not just about training and power. It's, it's also about, all right, did you eat well? Did you sleep well? Did you, <laughs> did you drink enough water? Those sure. little things that when we're young, we don't pay attention to. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's interesting because sometimes I think when you're young, you get away with certain things mm -hmm. uh, because, mm -hmm. because you don't have, you don't, I'll say you don't have all of the external stresses that you might, you have once, once you get older of saying, okay, I got to, I have to do this because I have a family or I have to do this because I have a house or I do have to do this because I have a job, like those kind of things. When you're younger, you don't have those necessarily those stresses that kind of make us um, worry about things that cause us to lose sleep, that cause us to lose time and productivity and things like that. Um, so, you know, all you all you're really relying on is am I having fun? And when you're young, it's like, OK, am I having fun and am I relying on my talent a lot, you know, and and, and getting away with that? Because I mean, if, if we're reflective of when. When we were younger, some of the things we got away with, you know, we didn't think about much sleep. <laughs> we're like, we don't need much sleep. We need, we're young, you know. Even in college, that's I was, just one of the few things we got away with. 
Yeah, so it's <laughs> yeah. just crazy because I was just telling the kids, uh, these these young people I was talking to the other day, I'm like, listen, you you get ready to go to college, have fun. Like, why are you sleeping your life away? And it's just like, <laughs> why sleep your life away? You, this is the greatest time of your life. You better get up and, and go do something, have fun, you know, like those kind of things. Um, but it's interesting, like how a, a shift happens from, you know, when we're younger to when we're older, it's like we have to be smarter because we don't have as much. We might not have as much energy. We think to ourselves we don't have as much time. Um, but what we do, what we do have is we have knowledge, we have resources, we have networks. And it's, so it's like you don't have to necessarily work. I, I say you, you work as hard, but you don't work as hard alone. Instead, it's yeah. how do you rely on some of the things and some of the people that are that are now surrounding you that are now part of your community? That's right, because you're, you're absolutely right. Most people, if they are lazy, they need to be pushed a little bit. The, mm. the advice of sleeping a little bit more is for the great achievers mm. and for the kids who are, who are so obsessed about success mm. that sometimes they cannot go to sleep without solving the problem they have in front of them today. Mm. It can be a coding problem. It can be... Uh, getting to dunk a ball, it can be, oh, no, I got to do it. You got to do it. Yeah, you got to do it. But maybe not today mm-hmm. because it's already 11 p.m. and you gave your everything today and you're sure. absolutely out of energy. So you're not going to dunk the ball today. Mm-hmm. Try again tomorrow morning. Sure. You yeah. try today. You live to fight another day. Mm-hmm. And I was that obsessive nature <laughs> that, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I started this. I have to finish it. Yeah, mm. you do. But maybe not today. Mm-hmm. Good sleep. Good <laughs> and, uh, all right. Now, you won a lot of gold medals after that. Does it become addictive? Is it like a drug? Is winning addictive? Um, is winning addictive? Um, if it is, I'll say it's an addiction I've had all my life. <laughs> um, and, and, and you know what? I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily find anything wrong with wanting to be successful. Right. Um, and in fact, I'd be more concerned if I, I, I thought to myself that I had the opposite mentality of, I don't think I'll ever be successful. Um, you know, there's, I, I believe there's a, there's a, a fine line between addiction and just wanting to be better or wanting to be great. Um, and being obsessed, obsessed with that, that which, so you think about people that have addictions, they say, okay, if I if I'm really chasing my next high, and your next high could lead to destruction. Um, Correct. And so, um, I, I don't I don't have that mentality of my next high can lead to destruction. Instead, I, I look at it like, you know what? Um, I expect myself to be successful. I, I I I know I know that I have what I what I need, and if if I don't, um, I know that I can go find some things that I need in order to be successful. So it's, you know, setting goals for yourself and figuring out, you know, like we talked about early on, it's, you know, you see that big picture, you see that goal that you're chasing. So now it becomes a thing of how do you get there? What practice do you need to put in every single day? Like what work do you literally need to put in every single day so that it becomes, that part becomes the habit, but then how do you do a specialization? And then two, three, how do you find those people that you need in order to get to the, to the top of the podium in terms of whatever success might be for you at that moment? Um, and it's been, it's been, um, it's been humbling in some ways of, of saying, okay, you know, I, that that looked easy when I first started. You know, that looked like it was going to be easy to 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 achieve that said goal. But instead, it's there's so many things along the way. There's so many days of practice that I have to put in. I, I'm thinking about just you know my 
my time in, in, in building Hero Hangout has been, you know, you've been here before, you know, you've, you've said, you've laid in a hospital bed and said to yourself, you wanted to be the greatest in the world. Like you wanted to win gold medals. You wanted to stand on this podium and represent your country. And so, you know, taking that same mentality and rolling it over into, into being an entrepreneur, it's you, this hero hangout is, is your gold medal, is another gold medal moment for you in your life. And so there are days of practice that you have to put in. You're literally sitting at your computer building hero hangout and what you want it to look like, how you want it to, you know, how you want it to play out, who you want it to, you know, impact those kind of things. Um, and then, you know, the constant, what does practice look like? But then what are some other skills that you need to learn in order to really, really get there? Um, and that's kind of how I've, how I've literally, I, how I've approached your hangout every day is like, you know what it, what chasing a gold medal looks like. So now you have to take that, all those lessons that you learned over here, don't leave them in athletics because you left athletics. Instead, bring them over here to, to corporate and to, you know, to, to the, to this entrepreneur space and, you know, get people on your team just as well as you got people on your team in athletics um, and and build that way because you know what it takes to go from a hospital bed to a podium. So now you're trying to go from your desk to the world. Same thing. That's a great segue because I had in my list of questions for you, how is it testing for your patients uh, as a sprinter, that marathon that is entrepreneur, but you actually answered it and you put it greatly that in a way, yes, there's the sprint, but between the sprints, there is all the preparation work that mm -hmm. takes years and the little steps in the shadow. And that's the common uh, thing. The sprint is only what we see on TV, mm -hmm. but <laughs> the life of a sprinter <laughs> is an entire iceberg. For the audience at home, I know what it is hearing out, obviously. Uh, you and Dr. Brett work on it together, but maybe the audience doesn't care to give us for the 1,000 times your elevator pitch that you rehearsed so well. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that. I'll go back for a second because you said, you said, you know, is it is it testing my patience to learn? Like, okay, you know, while I think it, this is going to be a sprint, it actually is a marathon. So interestingly enough, like, Every, every single, or I'll say nearly every single thing I did at practice anyway was a sprint. It was just a sprint that happened every single day. So, mm -hmm. it, you know, it, it was still, a, it's still a sprint, you know, it, being an entrepreneur is still a sprint. It's the, every single day I have to go to practice and I have to figure out and look at my, my list of things to do and they become my sprints every day. And the more and more I'm doing these sprints every day, they're helping me to, to gather my endurance um, so that when the time comes, when the moment comes that I have to actually present hero hangout to someone, when the moment comes that I have to sit down and, and meet with, you know, VCs about the hero hangout, when the moment comes and I have to stand in front of parents and says, say, Hey, you know, here's hero hangout wants you to download this app. So one of the things that helped, helped me, uh, I, we talk about, you know, things you learn in athletics and bring it over to, to the business world, not just leaving in the athletics was, I was so fortunate during my during my athletic career that I had some great sponsors. And so my sponsors literally took me around the world speaking to audiences like around the world in front of parents around the world. And so to stand on that stage and to literally talk to parents about, um, you know, my life, my journey, things that I've overcome, you know, going from the from the train tracks to the hospital bed to a podium in this time frame. And for me to do this, like standing on stage for like 45 minutes, there was not a time, Pascal, that I got off that stage that parents are not literally coming to me like, hey, 
Um, can you sign this autograph for my kid? Because I really wish they would have heard you because they're struggling with some things right now. Or I know they'll listen to you because you're this, you know, this athlete who's been successful, like those kind of things. Or, you know, I wish you could talk to my kid about this, or I wish you could talk to my kid about that. Like there was a constant conversation about, I wish you could talk to my kid. And so the more and more I got those, I wish I could talk to my kid. I wish you could talk to my kid request. It became alarming to me. Like, wait, all these people just met me 45 minutes ago. Like all they know is this 45 minute presentation I've given them. And yet they're asking me to talk to their kid. So I, I literally started asking, you know, talk about doing market research. I was great at this idea. So I was literally talking to athletes and I'm like, hey, do parents ask you to talk to their kids? Like in every single athlete, every athlete I ask. And I mean, we talking about, you know, amateur athletes all the way through professional household name athletes. I'm like, hey, do parents ask you to talk to their kids? And every single last person is like, oh, my goodness, April, you have no idea how often parents say, hey, can you talk to my kid? Like the, other than other than money or tickets to games, like this is like the one of the most requested questions that parents ask all the time. Like, can you talk to my selfish kid? People, selfish people ask you tickets. Good people ask for advice to their kids. <laughs> so wait, what kind of people ask for money? <laughs> Greedy? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not gonna comment on that. I'll let okay. You judge All right. Cool. But anyway, <laughs> so I mean, they literally were like, "Hey, can you talk to my kids?" I'm like, "Okay. All right. I got the first part." So the athletes are saying, "Yes." Parents ask. So then I started asking parents. Started with my mom, of course. I'm like, "Hey, mom. Um, you know, did, when I was younger, you did you ask people to talk to me about different stuff?" And she's like, "Yes, all the time." Especially when you got to be a teenager, she's like, because you got to be to a place that you thought I didn't know anything. You thought you knew everything and you listened to those people around you or like whether it was your coaches, your teachers, you know, some of your friends, parents, like those kind of things. And it's like, oh, OK. All right. So now ask other parents. They said the same thing. Kids get to a place. They become teenagers. They think their parents don't know anything. They think they know everything. Mm -hmm. Cool. Got that part. All right. Now I got the parents out the way. So then I start asking the uh then I started asking the um, the parents, I mean, the, the kids, I'm like, OK, kids. All right. Tell me something. When you when you if you could download an app and you could talk to your favorite like athlete, celebrity, entertainer, like those kind of things, would you would you download the app? Like, would you go on and have these live conversations? Granted, they not going to be in a, in a uh, individual setting like you're not going to talk one on one to said my favorite athlete who's on TV every single day playing in the NBA. Like, you're not going to talk one on one. But you want to talk in a group setting, you're gonna, you know, pay attention to like those lessons that they're teaching you. Like, would you download the app without fail? Kids picked up their phone, <laughs> dialing it. I mean, trying to download the app the whole nine yards, and you're like, wait, hold on, I didn't even build this yet. I'm just I'm doing some market <laughs> research. Do some research around here. Can you let me do some research before I start building? Like, I'm that person. Let me do some research first. Um, and so to know that parents, this was something that athletes were being asked. So there was a need, right? To know that parents were looking for something and to know that kids would actually pay attention to what was being taught. Um, those, the combination of those three things together is what literally helped us build Hero Hangout. Um, because it's, it's the thing of, as a, as a person who has been, um, who has been, who has had great success in life, um, and wanting to have a greater impact and wanting to leave behind a legacy, you know, that's what Hero Hangout is for us every day we build it. It's, you know, how can you leave behind a legacy? How can you teach? Um, how can you share uh, some things that you've gone through and so that it can lessen the impact of 
um, you know, some things that young people um, desire and need to learn also. Um, so when, when Pascal, when you and I were growing up, um, our, our, our support system, our mentors and things were in our local community. Like we didn't have access to the world. We had, we had our local community. And some of the greater lessons that we've learned in our lives have been through our community, whether it was in our directly in our household or just in our community. Like our, our people were in our community. Well, nowadays, young people have access to the world and their their mentors should be in the palm of their hand, just like their world is in the palm of their hand. Um, and that's literally what we've done with Hero Hangout. We bought we bought those we call them superheroes on our platform, but we bought their superheroes to the palm of their hand. And are presenting in a in a, a group setting um, their superheroes so that they can these young people can can hear about you know what did it take for said NBA athlete to get to the NBA you know what lessons did they had to learn what does what does practice even look like today for them because even those behind the scenes things that we see the grind that they've gone through every single day you know they're in the gym. A lot of times, all we see is a little snippet that they put on Instagram or whatever social media, TikTok. The good-looking one. The good the one. Good looking yes. <laughs> the good-looking The one that they wasn't feeling like they was going to pass out and die and, you know, not going to make Throwing up. Yeah. Up. Yes. All of those things. We don't see all of those things. All we see is the 20-second the clip of, oh, they were, you know, they were bench pressing 500 pounds. Well, before they got to the 500, they was bench pressing 200. They was bench pressing 100. In fact, they was bench pressing 20 um, at some point in time. But if you don't see that, you don't understand that there's work that you have to put in in order to get to an exceptional level. So Yes, correct. And, and that's actually why this podcast is all about the behind the scenes and the backstage. Because, mm. yeah, that's also what I feel. Being in sports, entrepreneurship, marketing... We like to show the front window a lot, but we don't like to show what's going on in the warehouse and the moments of vulnerability and the moments of that. And I completely relate immediately with uh, your app, with Hero Hangout, because of that, because of the mindset. Even if you're not going to play basketball, even if you're not going to train physically, you still you have a big goal that you want to achieve and for which you're training and practicing. And even if it's an intellectual practice, that mindset, that discipline, that building up of self-confidence, it's why we consume so many interviews of Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant and LeBron James. If it was just about the greatness of what they achieved, we would just look at the sports highlights. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we also listen to the one hour, two hours. We watch the last dance, millions of us during <laughs> yes. the pandemic sure. on Netflix, and we consumed it avidly. And it's because we want to understand how they get to that point. Mm. And it applied. And Peter Vestabaka, who was on the podcast, would have loved what you said because you, in the years of Angry Birds, he keeps saying that. Yeah, Angry Birds was a great game and it had many elements going forward. But the reason why it became that big success was a mindset as Mm. well to Mm -hmm. visualize victory and then go really, really, really hard at it. And he even made up a word that you're going to like because you just described it. You said every day I go and it's not a sprint. And in the thing between sprint and marathon, he was saying it's a sprintathon. Mm, it's a long series of thousands of sprints yes and there's not one sprint but it's also not a marathon because that's too slow of a pace Mm -hmm. so it's a sprint rest 
sprint, rest, and in mm -hmm. between each of them, analyze what went wrong so that the next one goes better Absolutely. or worse because you tried something but Absolutely. you had to get it out of the way. <laughs> Sometimes you have to discuss theories like a doctor. Absolutely. Theory. I like that word. I'm writing it down right now. Sprint-a-thon. I like it. You're going to use it in the next element pitch. In fact, no, no, no. It's interesting because I'm using it on the next time I get on the phone with my uh, – uh, in fact, just after this call, I have a call with. In 15 um, minutes? With, yep. With, 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 <laughs> All right, uh, so Peter Vestabaka, it's getting used again in 15 minutes. It's going around. Yep, I'm on it. I got it written down now. Sprintathon. You know, actually, the, the first time you pitched me here on Hangouts, I told you it's like Masterclass meets Michael Jordan Last Dance. <laughs> but nowadays, I think it's Michael Jordan Last Dance meets. OnlyFans, or if I may, it's OnlyFans without the nudity. So instead of following you to see naked pictures of the porn star, no, I'm following the athlete, and I don't want to. I, I want his brain to be mm. naked. Mm. I want to, That's what I want to get nudes. Tell mm. me how how you're doing all this. So they, but OnlyFans and Instagram and TikTok and Snapchat prove that there's definitely a demand for, for connection. Mm -hmm. And so you might as well give meaningful ones. So mm -hmm. I completely understand the value as a parent. And if I was a teenager as well, I would have loved to talk to Michael Jordan. If I, even if we were one million in the room, I don't care. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. It's, it, and, and it's interesting because like, you know, as so, so I, I think I like the, uh, the, um, the master class versus Michael Jordan in comparison or last dance comparison a, a lot better. Um, and only because the, the, I'll say, I'll call it the negative connotations that come with only fans in terms of nudity and things like that. So we're talking I'm a dirty about boy. I, I'm a dirty boy. I like to make waves. Okay. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't, I don't want to make those waves. I want to, you know, make, make sure there's a clear delineation between what we do and what those, what, what someone else does. I'll say, I won't even, I won't even say that, say that specifically for them, but what someone else does. Um, because, because one of the things that is always been the case and, and, and it's interesting, even for parents, when I talk to them about hero hangout, um, that there's a constant and, and, and Pascal, I tell you, there is a constant conversation for parents. Like, well, forget the kids. What about us? We want to learn from these people too. And I'm like, but we do as, as, as adults, we do, we go to, we go to conferences, you know, we hop online all the time and, and go on YouTube and learn from these people. But you know, there's a, there's there's an interesting caveat that happens as it relates to the kids because it's it's the instruction of of people that are being um, being um, put on a podium. I'll, I'll say in our lives, and it's the turning around of them and saying, "Here's how I got here. Um, here's how I got to this podium, and, and I want to turn around because I was that little kid at some point in time. I was that little kid that was trying to figure out how to get to the podium." Um, and so now that I've gotten here, now that I have been that little kid, I can turn back around and say to this little kid, hey, listen, little kid, um, you're not going to get here overnight. Hey, little kid, you know, you're going to there are going to be days that you lose. Hey, little kid, there are going to be days that you win. And hey, you know what? These are some of the things that I struggle with. You know, maybe my parents didn't have all the money. So now if you're saying to a little kid, if you're standing on this podium, and kids are looking up to you and you say, hey, little kid, you know what? Um, you know, we didn't have any money or, you know, my dad left household when I was a kid. You know, so I was I was raised in a single parent household. 
Well, the second you say that, there are so many little kids that are in single parent households that now have hope because they're saying you're you're saying, hey, despite the fact that you may be adopted, despite the fact that you may be in foster care, despite the fact that you may only have one parent in your household, there's still hope you can still make it. And I am that example of you now you can still make it. And so for for us, it's the once you once you've gotten to that place that, you know, kids are paying attention to you. Well, turn around and teach a lesson. Turn around and share your journey. Don't just turn around and share the, those great moments of, hey, saying, hey, look at my new Bentley or look at my new pair of, you know, whatever sneakers or shoes or look at my new jewelry. No, instead, tell the people how you got it. How you how did yeah. you get there? You know, what did it take for you to like, what's the recipe? Like, don't just show us the cake after it's finished. Instead, tell us the recipe. Tell us how you how you had to go to the store and buy this, or how you had to raise some money. And to how many get times to the you store. failed it? And and yeah, how many that times too. you failed the cake? Yes, yes. How many, <laughs> how many times did the cake just come out tasting nasty? <laughs> you know, that's exactly what we were talking about in the last episode with Sasha Thompson, who is very active in diversity and inclusion for many, many, many years. And we were getting at the fact that there's a difference between authentic and real and the difference between authentic and real is the admission of vulnerability mm. you can look authentic on instagram and youtube mm. many kids today do a great job at that mm -hmm. but they skip what puts them a little bit of shame and mm. so that's where it's still not real talk mm -hmm. and whenever we get into a moment of vulnerability no, we're really exchanging mm -hmm. uh, as human beings. Yeah. And that might be, the, you know, the only fans, I was joking about it, but I still see as proof that there was a market and that they regret doing it this way. Mm -hmm. A few months ago, I heard that they're trying to raise funds. Their valuation is low because of all the sexual content. So what did they try to do? Bam the sexual content, but it's what the community brought them. So you cannot completely give up on what brought you somewhere. Mm. It's disrespecting to that community. Sex workers are still workers. However, the fact that they tried to pivot shows you that they missed the bigger picture, mm. which is that basically OnlyFans is just Instagram in private and you're just buying images, but like we said, the mindsets, the, the, the things that are going to help you becoming a greater human being, people are craving for it much more. And that, I think, is where there is room for a platform like yours to do it right from the beginning. I, I, I think that there is, there is a, a tremendous, um, you know, we, we like to look at um, some of the things that um, that Masterclass has done. Um, we've even had look, like, like to look at a lot, a lot of the things that um, a lot of social media companies have done, but more, um, more about, you know, what is the influence, um, and what is, what is being taught as a result of the influence? You know, you think of, of the, um, um, uh, what is the app called? Um, um, crap. I know I'm make me grab my phone for two seconds to figure out what in the world the, the app you is see called. What happened, you see what happens when you forget about the competition? You can't remember them. <laughs> no, 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 it's, it's, it's great because it's not, not that you forget about it, but it's like, what, what momentum did they have and why did they have it? So you think about the clubhouses of the world, you know, when mm -hmm. the pandemic was shut down, um, there were so many people of influence who knew a whole lot were in different industries, 
we're literally, you know, hopping on Clubhouse just to share, just to teach, just to, you know, just to be that vulnerable person of, of saying, hey, listen, I didn't get here overnight. Instead, it, it, it was, you know, let me share with you some things that you might not have seen happening behind the scenes. And those are the type of things, those are the type of lessons um, that we're, you know, we're, we're wanting young people to learn every single day. Again, you know, they're, if their mentor is, if their mentor is in the palm of their hand, imagine what greatness can happen in the world. Um, yeah. And 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 their mentor not just showing them what they're doing now, but instead teaching them of what their journey was, you know, in order to get to that to that particular place. Um, I think it's Oprah who has a quote: "Is like, you know, everyone wants to ride in a limo, but no one wants to do the work to get there." Um, and so it's, you know, show the work, you know, show, show, you know, when we were in school, I remember doing math and, and, you know, you, you do math and, and all of a sudden you come up, you, you come up with the answer and your teacher's like, no, 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 no. I don't just want to see the answer. I want to see how you mm. got to the answer. Because if I see how you got to the answer and now the answer's wrong, I can go back and show you where you went wrong so that the next time you can get the, the right answer. Very similar. It's it's, you know, show me the work so I can show you, you know, t tell me what work is involved so that I can help guide you to the podium if that's where you want to be. I can help guide you to the league if that's where you want to be. And if you should happen to not get to the league, guess what? You should still have some awesome skills to fall back on at the end of the day. Um, and you, you think especially when kids like I, I met a young young man just yesterday. Um, and I was talking to him because he said he had just gotten expelled from school and things like that. And he got expelled from school for the craziest of crazy things. Um, he said something about he was he was uh, he, someone was was fussing with him about or picking a fight with him based on where he was from. And so he had def to defend the area that he was from. And I'm thinking to myself, this seems like the craziest thing on the planet that you got expelled from school because you were fighting about where you were from. Like this is crazy. So he and I, you know, got into a, a conversation or whatever. And so he's one of the things he said to me that still to this moment, I had this conversation with him last night, still to this very moment that gives me chills. And he said, thank you for talking to me. He said, because my parents don't talk to me like this. And I'm sitting there like, your parents don't talk to you like this. What? And, it, you know, <laughs> so it's the fact that he and I had a very, very candid conversation, the fact that he shared a lot with me and it kid, complete stranger kid for me. And, I, you know, I'm complete, complete stranger to him. But I talk to him and I listen. And, to him. and let's face it, sometimes it is easier for a stranger You're than right. for the parent. You're right. Because the parent has to measure the consequences of what he's going to say. Mm -hmm. He's going to live with it for the next few years. So yeah. he cannot mess up on this important conversation yeah, where well, so you can take a risk yeah. because you can always disappear tomorrow in the parents. Listen, I, I said, that, I said, that, the boy, I said, what the hell was you thinking about? I, I mean, he had no problem. That's exactly, <laughs> that's exactly what I said. I said, what the hell was you thinking about? <laughs> and he said, it's crazy because like you saw his brain start twirling. Like, did she just ask me that? Like, I don't even know this lady, but she asked me what the hell was I thinking about? And and then yeah. trying to get him to think differently, like you, that's something not to fight over because now you've risked your high school, your high school career. You know, you've risked so many things now because you was fighting over where you were from. Like he's like, well, they were being disrespectful to me by talking about where you was from. Like, I'm so confused <laughs> about this conversation. But again, it takes you. It takes us back to to hero hangout. Um, it takes us back to, you know, what are the conversations that kids need to hear nowadays? as opposed yeah. to thinking that everything is glamorous, thinking that, you know, you just wake up one morning and you are getting drafted. You wake up one morning and you have a shoe deal. You wake up one morning and you have millions of dollars and billions of dollars in the bank. 
No, this doesn't happen. I mean, even you think about even musicians, you know, they put out records like I'm, I'm extremely excited for this Adele, Adele 30 record to come out on November the 19th. I'm excited about that. But Adele even had to go through a whole lot of things in order to get to be able to produce that particular album, to be able to release that album. How many days and moments did she spend in the studio? So those type of things that kids don't see, that they need to see that, you know, success doesn't happen overnight. But unfortunately, social media think, makes us think that success happens overnight. So it's the, Because it only shows you the moment you're successful, yes. not everything before. Yes. You know, two quotes that stayed with me for many years now as an entrepreneur, as I got from young and impatient to that marathoner who wants to achieve his goals, actually, the big ones. One is luck... Because also there, there's this thing that when you get successful, not only people think it's overnight, but they think you're lucky and they're mm. not lucky. <laughs> and so there's that. Luck is when preparation meets opportunity from Seneca. It's attributed to a Disney guy in the US, but it's actually from a, a Latin philosopher <laughs> <laughs> thousands of years ago. But somebody else went at this and said, well, if that's the case, I'd rather be prepared and not get the opportunity, then get the opportunity and not be prepared. <laughs> and that's a good mindset. And the other one is from Aristotle. I like my Roman and philosophers, I'm sorry. But, <laughs> but it's exactly what you say. If we are what we repeatedly do, mm -hmm. excellence thus is not an act, but a habit. Mm -hmm. You wake up being excellent every morning, and mm -hmm. then that morning when it matters, you'll be excellent again. You're you cannot be mediocre every day, no. and then when it's time to race, oh, I, I, I'm rocking it. Nah, yeah, that's sure. not how life works. Yeah. It reminds <laughs> me of something I always say when I go to, go to um, speak at places. I say, you know, how, many, how many of you all woke up and said this morning you want to be mediocre? <laughs> I said, or, right. or better, or better yet, how many, how many of you all woke up this morning and said you wanted to be great? Because yeah. if you didn't wake up this morning and say you want to be great, then guess what? You woke up and, and accepted mediocrity. Yeah. Yeah. I, and actually, I was such a competitive kid that even when I was in my trouble years, age 16, 17, I didn't set out for mediocrity. I said, oh, that's you wanna, how you want to play? I'm going to show you what's the worst student in history. Ooh. So I didn't settle for the middle. Ooh. I went from trying to be the best to trying to be the worst oh. to show them. Yeah, but that lasted only a year or two. And oh. I was pretty good at being the worst. But yeah. th that shows you again, I wanted to be number one in being bad. Mm. I had that competitiveness that even when I went through the trouble years, I didn't settle for mediocrity and not being noticed and just living through it. It was a it was a fight against the professors and the fact that my mom was a teacher. So at mm. some point, uh, obsession with graduation mm. made me reject mm. the school system entirely. And for okay. a year, there was this struggle. But I didn't settle for the middle ground. I'm glad you didn't settle there. I'm glad you didn't settle either of those two places. <laughs> yeah, it was only a year. Don't worry okay. about it. We all, all have to do a little crisis at some point or another, right? Yes. yes, yes. I'm glad later. someone interve intervened on your behalf. Now, as a sneak ahead, I cannot let you go without asking you about this thing I read online. Was the Nike Jordan edition 
2009 inspired by you and in what way, if that's true? Yes is the answer to the question, um, which I'm extremely excited about just because as a kid and I, I did the I did the work that it took to to win. I mean, to, to be able to go buy a pair of Jordans every single year that they came out. So, you know, from the ones on, I mean, every single year I'm like, OK, I got to do it. I was it. a Nike Air Max guy, but. I, I understand. I, I understand. I'm like, wait, Jordan's, Jordans are coming out soon. I gotta go. I gotta raise some money. I gotta listen. I gotta work hard. I gotta rake some leaves. I gotta babysit some kids. I have to do some errands, some chores, some anything, whatever it takes in order for me for me to be able to buy some Jordans. I'm gonna go buy some Jordans. Um, but so the inspiration is literally from from my prosthetic uh, running leg because it's the very first uh, shoe that actually had carbon fiber in it. Um, so you know, to oh, be able to man. to combine carbon the carbon fiber that my running leg is made from. Um, and to be able to put it into the sole of the shoe to be able to give some some um, energy return uh, and energy storage in a shoe. Um, that's what the 2009, what basically what their inspiration behind it was. Oh, ca carbon fiber. I got fascinated by that when I visited the Pagani factory and, yes. and Orasio Pagani. Yeah, it's incredible material. Yes. That's a story for another show because yes. I think you are running out of time. But, I, <laughs> but, but that... That story of the Air Jordan, yeah, like you. I, I grew up absolutely fascinated by MJ, and Nike was, you know, the, the sneaker we all had to have. And yes. yeah, it was costing quite a bit of money. Yes. And I had to save as well. Yes. <laughs> For me, so we it was not babysitting, it was selling pirated games on Commodore Amiga <laughs> and Super Nintendo. But hey, it gave me a Korean video game. So I'm not going to apologize. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And it gave me one also. It gave me a career in athletics. So I'm not, I, I, don't, I don't apologize for that either. You just work hard for what you want. You never know what career you might have at the end of the day. Yeah. Follow your passion. Even if it's not a career today, it might sure. be tomorrow. Absolutely. Who would have known a few years ago that playing video games and making jokes about these video games on YouTube yes. would be a career. Would be I'm a career. glad that these kids have that kind of a job. So many different opportunities different. out there. Exactly. So many different exactly. opportunities. Exactly. And if it, listen, if it's not an opportunity that you see, we'll create it. Yeah, create it. yeah, exactly. And create it. Get get good at something. Find something you would do for free, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then get so good at it that they will pay you. That they'll pay you. Yes. <laughs> awesome. All right, April. I think I'm gonna let you go. You're already a couple of minutes late, but it was yep. a fantastic conversation as always. Yes. Yeah, it's morning here for you and me, and you gave me a lot of motivation to go through the rest of my day. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for your time. Big okay. Karma be with you. Yes, for everyone you. at home, patreon.com slash Big Karma if you want to join our community or help us out and pay for our next coffee. Thank you for listening. Thank you, April, for being with me. Thank you.